you, everybody, if you can have a seat. My name is Neil. Like Pastor Max said, I'm not a pastor. Don't come up to me afterwards and ask me if I'm a pastor. In fact, you know, if you see me up here, you know, it's been a while to go this deep on the bench to ask someone to come and call and talk. Uh, we're reaching kind of deep. Uh, the, the truthful conversation this morning at my house was, Green, have you seen the long pants? Where's the long pants? That's how often I get up here on, on, you know, to preach. So it's like, did we throw it away? You know, it's like, so, so, okay, so that's where we're at. But, um, you know, we're, we're, in this, uh, we're in this series that is going, we're going through a series called Sharing the Good News of Jesus Without Fear. And Pastor Max has started it last week, and I'm going to be continuing into the next portion, which Pastor Mark had asked me to speak on, which is um, the, the part about building relationships at work. For us, it's going to be about the marketplace. And it's basically making friends, because, you know, that's, that's what I'm known for, that I'm a very friendly person. I'm the epitome of being friendly and that's why Mark would select me instead of someone like Max. Every time I walk anywhere with Max, it's like, hi, how's it going? You know, it's like, we're in Almohan. It takes half an hour to get into any place. Um, but he asked me because I'm an epitome. Because, uh, and I, I'll give you this so you can know how good I am at being friendly. So the other day I walk into my house. This is a true story. Walk into my house. There is Trina and there is my wife. They're sitting on the couch. They're talking to each other. Trina volunteers to me. Hey, Uncle Neil, we have figured out why you are the way you are. I said, oh, okay, here it comes. Okay, go ahead, tell me. She says, you know, you're adopted. I go, yeah, yeah, I'm adopted. And she says, you were in the foster home for eight months. I said, yeah. I was in foster home for eight months. I found out later on. And she said, in that time, that's where you build your interrelational things and how people touch you because, you know, that's when they pick you up and held you. And we figured out that you probably weren't held as a child and you weren't touched as a child. And I'm like sitting there going, Yes, based on all your years of psychological knowledge and all these things. <laughs> At two months, I'm sitting in the corner smoking a cigarette with my mustache on. Yeah, that was what it was. It's not, if we have our best foot forward, I'm not it. It's usually Max when we're going to go friendly on everybody. But uh, Pastor Mark had asked me to speak about a little about um, what had happened with me when I got to work with Dave at uh, Roberts, Hawaii. And, and that is a marketplace ministry story. So, we're going to put up a picture here, and I'm going to show you a picture of my brothers. Okay? It's a picture of me, the one in the green with the glasses on. That's me. And those are my three brothers. And they weren't always my brothers. The guy all the way on the right is Gerald. He has an extremely large head. The guy next to him is Mike Lum. Okay? Uh, Mike Lum is a brother of mine. He's no longer here with us, but he was one to say all the time that we were like the Mercer Brothers. The Mercer Brothers are out of a movie called The Four Brothers. And The Four Brothers, it goes like this. Mrs. Mercer was an individual who used to, um, who used to take hundreds and hundreds of foster kids and place them in homes. And yet there were four brothers, four guys who she could not place that kept on coming back because they were so rotten, so no good, that no one would take them. And she ended up adopting all four of them. And that's us. We, we, we became uh, brothers for life. And, but it didn't start that way. The way it started was with Dave Oyanamari. Uh, I remember exactly where I was when Dave gave me a call. Uh, I was buying gift, gift certificate, certificates for Christmas because that's what I do. And he called me and he said, Hey, Neil, would you consider praying to come over to Roberts with me and, and do some stuff with building relationships, building uh, building leaders, building process like we do at church. And I, and I prayed about it, and, and I said, yeah, I think that's what God is doing. So I, I left my job, and I came to 
work with Dave. The interesting thing is last week, Mark, uh, Max was talking about how Jesus sends out two by two, the disciples. And so it became me and Dave at Roberts together. And it, it, it didn't start off, like I said, as brothers. Uh, it was like the first day after I was hired, I came in, the guy all the way on the right with the large head, he, he had been there for a while. He was going to be uh, my mentor. He was going to tell me about how to do the things that I do. And I came just like the first day of school, came to work, got no friends, got no nothing, okay? Don't know nothing. I go in, I go in and, and Gerald, his name is Gerald, he's gone. He doesn't come. I go, ooh, that's intentional. He doesn't want to see me. He doesn't want to meet me. He wants other people to give him the skivvies on me after being there. So he's not there. I come in, but I have something one up on Gerald. I have the Bible, which tells me, seek out the man of peace. He doesn't know this. So what I do is I come in the first day. I don't even have furniture because he set it up like that for me. Okay? So I got a chair that I'm sitting down in the middle of a room. And I go to the man of peace. Her name, it's a her, is Noreen. See, Noreen has been at Robert's wife for 875 years. She comes to work at three and she works till like six. She is like, she bleeds green. She controls everything, inclusive of the men. That's what she would call us, the men. You know, you men, that's what she would say, okay? But you do what Noreen says, you know? You, you put the coffee where Noreen says, otherwise it's death for you. So I go to the man of peace. I say, hey, Noreen, you know, when I meet the guys, how do I best work with them? What, do you, what is your advice? She tells me, hey, you know you, when you come here, you go to them, you show them respect. They're all older than you. They've been here a long time, 30 years. All of them have been working together. You're a newcomer. So you go to them. You be humble. You ask their opinion. You ask them what they think. You learn from them, Neil. So, of course, I go, oh, yes, good idea. <laughs> so I go back in my office. I sit on the chair. So after a week, in comes Gerald. He comes in, walking in. And this is my experience with my brother Gerald the first time. He comes up to me and he goes like this. He sniffs me. He physically sniffs me. I go, what are you doing? He said, I'm sniffing you out. What are you doing here? Why are you here? Why would you be here? Why do you want to be with us? Okay? And that's what started my relationship with Gerald as, as I'm trying to learn these things. Mike Lum, the guy next to Gerald, the guy all the way on the left is Paul. He's a nice guy. Mike Lum is the head of all of the buses. He fixes everything. This is my relationship that started with Mike. I go in and... I go, hey, Mike, how's it going? And Mike moves fast, okay? The Chinese guy, he moves fast. He just, he's all over the place. I go, hey, Mike, can I ask you? No, no more time, no more time. He goes away. He walks away. Second day, I try it again. He's sitting down someplace. I go, hey, Mike, can I ask you a question? No, no, no more time, no more time. He gets up and he starts walking away. So this is what I do. Third day, I'm ready for this. Hey, Mike, I don't got any time. I said, no problem, I'll just follow you. So I start following him around. I follow him to the base yard. I follow him to the back. I follow him all around to the shop. So finally, about 20 minutes later, I'm by his shop. He turns around. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm learning. He said, oh, yeah? What you learning? I remember telling him, well, I learned as we walk to the left side of the base yard, there is a, spot, a part that we do small equipment. The person in charge is named Nemi. On the top of the board is something called OS. I think that's out of service. We don't do transmissions. We give them out to match trans. As you go to the right, as you walk over there, there's a place where we do our own tires. We fill it with something called a cheater, but we put it in this OSHA cage afterwards so we don't fill it all the way so it doesn't blow up and kill anyone. Then we go to the back of the house. We split up everything between school bus and RTT, which is the big buses. And we have two teams that do it differently. We do air conditioning. We do electric. I think we do power pack. I'm not sure about suspension. So Mike said, you learn all that in 15 minutes. I said, yeah. He said, okay, sit down. 
And that became my beginning with Mike guys. Okay? Now, as this thing is going on, know this. Life happens, right? It keeps on going. Every morning, I come in, walking in. And these three guys, they've been together 30 years. They get together and they eat breakfast every morning. So the three of them are driving out when I see them. Hello. <laughs> they ignore me. They just drive right out. Noreen's like, I don't know why they don't invite you to go eat breakfast with them. I said, it's okay. They've been together a long time. I sit down, eat my little jack-in-the-box sandwich. No problem. Okay? All by himself. Nobody has any friends. No problem. Every day they're going out. So one day, they're getting in the car ready to go to breakfast. I'm walking in. So Mike goes, hey, where are you coming from? I said, oh, I'm coming from where I parked my car. He goes, what? Where do you park your car? I said, out on the road. He goes, why do you park your car out on the road? I said, because Gerald told me that's where I park. He's, what? What the F? F in Gerald? What are you doing? That car is reserved for you, Neil. You're supposed to park on top of the thing. And you know what? Why don't you come to breakfast with us? Gerald goes, oh no, now we invited him to breakfast. What's going on with this? I thought it's too early. So that's how I got to go to breakfast, okay? So I get in the car, we go to breakfast. I go down, we sit down, we do this thing. You guys have heard this star before. I tell them, hey, before we eat, you guys mind if I pray? Mike says, yes. <laughs> I think I'm getting older, bad hearing. I said, oh, so you mind? Mike says, yes. <laughs> okay. So we eat. I do my own solo. Okay. So we eat. We go back to the base yard. We're sitting in the base yard. And I call Mike. Mike, Mike, hey, you have something against praying? He goes, what? No. I go, oh, how come when I asked if I could pray, you said no? He goes, oh, I thought you said pay. I thought you said pay. It's my turn to pay. So you must think I'm such a da-da-da-da. And I went home, and he went home and told me, I'm such a da-da-da-da. And I want to pray. I told him no. And, 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 that, and so after that, every time that we ate breakfast, I got to pray. So we're praying, you know, thanks for the food, thanks for these guys, you know, what's going on? Well, shortly thereafter, uh, we had a base yard. We had operations on every island. I was called to Maui. I was doing some stuff in Maui. I had to live on Maui. I had to travel to Maui. So in the beginning of this, I'm sitting in Maui. About 6 o'clock, I get a telephone call from the guys. They go, hey. I go, hey. You go, where are you at? I said, I'm at the base. They go, where are you at? Oh, we're at Masters. We're going to eat breakfast. I said, oh, you're calling me to taunt me now because <laughs> once again, I'm by myself. They go, no, no, no. We're here to eat breakfast, but we need you to pray. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're at the eating part now, but you got to pray for us. So we put you on speaker. I'm like, I am not praying for you guys on the phone. You guys have heard this long enough. Get off. And I hung up on them. Okay? I come back on Saturday and I get the play-by-play. They said, hey, you know Paul? Paul's a Catholic all his life. He started to pray. He started with this thing that said, Hail, Mother, full of grace. And his prayers like go halfway up and they shoot back down to us. We were not confident they were hitting the top with the man upstairs. This is what I'm being told. So then we had Gerald pray. So Gerald, he did a pretty good job. He kind of did copy what you did. And he said, hey, bless Neil on Maui. And then did this. I said, he, he's, doing, he's holding the fort pretty good. So I said, okay, I guess we'll give him the badge. Okay? And so that, that's how my dysfunctional family just kind of grew up together. Okay? And then, as time goes on, like you guys will know, wherever you're at, life goes on. And so, uh, Paul, he started his, Paul all the way on the left, he started his uh, little company, and we all prayed for that. And, and, and he, that was his new business that he was helping do uh, school uh, driving for kids. He taught my kids how to drive. 
they want to share with me what they learned. Hey, Dad, go slower. That's hydroplaning, you know. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Paul told us. So they did that, and then he, he wanted to run the Boston Marathon, and you have to qualify. We prayed for it, and he made the time, and he was all excited. And Mike, uh, next to me on my left, uh, he, his son broke his leg, and, he, and they had a bone cyst, and we're praying for him, and his leg got better. And, and um, we went through a whole bunch of things that kept on going on and on. All the way on the right, Mr. Sniffer, uh, Gerald, <laughs> one day we're talking about this thing, because we're always talking about you know, what God does and this kind of stuff. And he goes, and, and, and I told Gerald, hey, do you want to accept uh, Jesus? And he goes, yeah, okay, I'll do that. So we, we, we sit there and we do the prayer like how we do in church, you know, about accepting Jesus. And, and the funny thing that happens, you see, when you do this at work, you become the counselor, okay? Because he goes, okay, I did this thing. I said, okay, you're a Christian. This, like, let me explain to you what happens. Every time after that, I get calls, like on the phone at different times, like, hey, hey, hey. So, you know... Um, if somebody cuts in front of you when you're doing this thing, uh, we, not, we, we, we let them do it. We let them go, huh? I go, yeah, yeah, we let them go. So, okay, okay. I was just thinking, no lying, no cheating, no stealing, no killing, right? I said, yeah, no, no lying, no cheating. Okay, I got it because, you know, we're Christians now. You will become the person that they ask questions because now they're Christians, but they don't know how in their mind. And, and that, that will also progress for you because it's, it, it's very interesting. As time went on for us... Um, at some point, like I said, my friend Mike with the chain on his neck, he contracted pancreatic cancer, and he was diagnosed as terminal, and that, that's still sore to this day. Um, we were called, us four brothers were at the table with his family, uh, and we prayed for him, and we asked God to heal him. And at the same time, we, we reached out. I have a good uh, Christian brother. Uh, don't tell him I said this. His name's John Ao. Um, he, he does a lot of financial planning. He, he did a great job in setting Mike's eye. Uh, mind at ease and how uh, his wife and his son would be taken care of. Um, that's Lisa and Cody was his uh, wife and son. But Mike still had questions. You know, we were praying for him and, he, and the pancreatic cancer is still kind of doing its thing. And so we, we were praying and he, and he has a lot of questions. I say, hey, you know what? It's time to bring in the big guns. So I, you know, of course, I called Pastor Mark. Hey, Pastor Mark, we got to meet with Mike. He said, no problem. We met with him at MGMC. Uh, we're meeting for it with him, praying. Mike's asking all the questions that he could. And um, he started to really, really tear up and really feel what God was doing for him. He accepted Christ um, there. And after that, he told me he has this, he had this peace. And the peace just kept on growing. And I, and I swear that it was like Mike would wear this peace. Even though he was terminal, he would tell me, you know, I'm good. I know God will take care of my wife and my son. And, and it's good. I'm, I, I'm okay to go. And I, and I was just blown away by that. You know, here's this guy who had just become a Christian, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, that would be rough for me, but he was full in. You could tell that he was full on in with that. Um, and, and when the time came and, and Mike passed, um, man, it, it was rough for me, but we, we knew that he was totally good. Pastor Mark uh, got to do the service. And, and then shortly after that, Gerald... Um, Gerald, his um, dad went into a uh, care home. And, and you guys have maybe have heard this story that uh, Gerald's dad went into a care home. Uh, Gerald asked me and Pastor Mark to come up because he didn't know any other Christians to pray for his dad. So we went up there to pray for his dad. And Mark's talking with him. And then we're talking about, hey, what do you believe in? Where do you go after you, you pass away? And he's saying all these things. And, and, and Mark says, well, you know, um, 
what would it take? What could Jesus do for you to, to, that you would do that you would say, hey, you know what? I want to I I select to go with Jesus as the option. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> Looking at Mark, like, what, are you actually going to say that? And, and Joe's dad says, hey, you know what? I had this cough for three months now. If you can make the cough go away, if Jesus will do that for me, then I'm all in with Jesus. So I'm like, oh, okay. So we pray. We pray for uh, Gerald's dad. Uh, we come back about uh, a month later, and we see him. He's all happy. He's like, hey, how's it going? Hey, the cough went away. I haven't coughed since the day you guys left. Everything's good. I'm ready to go do the Jesus thing with me. So me and Pastor Mark, we pray for the dad, accepts Christ. And um, a few months later, he gets to uh, go home, be with the Lord. And um, Gerald was just blown away. Uh, so, there's the next step for, for, for all of us together. At our church here at KCF, shortly thereafter, we, we have all these times where we have these baptisms. Lo and behold, my brother Gerald says, hey me, I want to get baptized. I told Mike I wanted to baptize with him, but he didn't make it, so I'm getting baptized. Let's go do the baptism thing. What is it and how do we do it? He, he wanted to pay Pastor Mark on the side. We don't pay for baptism. <laughs> We don't have to pay for that, okay? That's just how it goes, okay? It's free. But I tell you this, I got to stand on a deck in the water with Gerald. I got to look into his eyes and tell him, from this day on, when you go under the water, everything you have done is wiped clean. Zero. Everything you've done with your wife, your child, every wrong thing you have done, everything, even if it does not have a statute of limitations under the law, is wiped clean. And he was like, are you serious? I said, that is what this is. And he went down and he came up and he was baptized. Just amazing. Story doesn't end there. Shortly thereafter, Mike Lum's wife, son, friend, Jen, who was going through some cancer treatment, showed up here. They were, they were visiting with us. We got to pray for them. They accepted Christ and at a baptism, we got to baptize them. We're privileged to do that. You know, that's the story of me and my brothers and who weren't always my brothers. And it started with them at work. Uh, we went through the wars together. I mean, we did some incredible stuff together. We, we, we shared things together. We cried together. We laughed together. We lost one of us, um, which is still, I, I miss Mike uh, dearly. But we were brothers, not just for life, but for all eternity. I tell you right now, any one of those guys would take a bullet for me. I would stand in front of them and take a bullet for them. That's how close we are. But it all started at work, Neil, no friends, first day. Now, how does marketplace ministry happen? We're going to try and get to this thing. Um, you can take out your notes, take a look. It, the bottom line, it starts with everybody. It starts with you, yeah? And I'm going to share a few points that I learned along the way that you might want to know. And you can fill in the, the, the points as you, as you go. I'll tell you two things before we start. Number one, the clock is wrong. It's five minutes too fast. Number two is, you notice every time along the line, you try and figure, like some of you, they try and figure and fill in the thing before I say it, right? So I made it long and you guys don't know. So I just tell you that. Okay? So knock yourself out. Okay, Roman number one, go. You don't know, right? Go where you are called. Go where you are called. In the Bible, in Luke 10, it says, now go. And remember, I, God, am sending you out as lambs amongst the wolves. In verse 7 in Luke 10, it says, don't move around. From home to home. Know this, you are anointed, you are commissioned, you are called to be where God places you. And if you are there, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And some of you are in a place that is not real friendly. Just telling you that right now. That's okay, you'll get there. 
but go where you are called. Roman rule number two. Do what you are called to do. What the heck is that, Neil? Do what you are called to do. So let me give you some letters. A, do your job well. Do your job well. That's why you're there. You know why? Because no one likes the guy who sucks at his job, okay? If you do your job junk, if you don't want to help, you don't want to answer the phone, you have a bad attitude, you're yelling at everybody, you're swearing at them, you're doing whatever, they don't really want to hear anything else from you, okay? So, so you got to do your job well. At least try to do your job well, okay? B, super important. It's in the Bible. You can write it down on your hand if you want. Eat with other people. Eat with other people. I love eating. Eating is good. Eating is important. It's in the Bible. In Luke 10, it says, Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Eat whatever is set before you. Jesus himself says in Revelation, Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You know, eating is an important time. And it's important because eating means you're spending time with people. All relationships take time. If you eat with them, you will get to spend time with them. Flows into the next point, C. Walk through every open door. I'm going to charge and commission you guys at the end of this, uh, at this talk that you guys walk through every open door. What that means is take the chance to do any one of these four things every time you can. And the first is eat and pray. Like I said, if you eat with the guys from work, you get the chance to pray. I have never had anyone say no when I asked them, do you guys mind me if I pray for the food except for Mike Lung? And he thought I was asking to pay for the food. No one has ever told me no. Okay, I'm just telling you. So you can be confident in that. Now some of you may be going, how do I pray? Very simple. Just like when you were a fifth grader. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Okay? The beginning is like the two, two line on a letter. Dear God, dear Heavenly Father, don't go with the, dear creator of the universe, omnipotent, alpha to omega. Don't do that. Just go, dear God. Then you go, the middle portion is thank you. Thank you for the food. Thank you specifically for the guy around me. Thank you for Dave. You know, and then you ask for something. Like you can say, I ask that you bless Dave, bless, bless, better, bless Josh at Boy Scouts. Be specific to the people around you. Just ask for the thing so they can watch what God's going to do. And then the end is, in Jesus' name, amen. We do that. Okay? In Jesus' name, amen. I'll give you a little hint. Don't forget to bless the food. Because they notice. Like you do all this brain stuff and then you, they go, hey, you forgot the food. There's always one guy like, oh yeah, thanks for the food. So th that's a little hint. Because I get caught on that one sometimes. Okay? So that's how you pray if you don't know how. Two, care about them. Care about what they need. Know what they want. Know what they're going through. Don't got to get all Christian on them. Okay? You want to know, are they... Are they sick? Is someone sick? Do they need help? Are they, needing, are they trying to buy a house? Are, are, is a grandmother not well? You know, just know about them. Care about them. Follow up with them. Third point is edify. Build them up. Edify is a word in the Bible. It means to build up, not tear down. Always use that. You can turn every statement into an encouraging one. Give you an example. You all know Jimmy Mishiro. He's my good friend of mine. He comes here. He's an elder. You know, I, I, I tell him, uh, the other day I tell him, oh, Jimmy, Nice haircut. Straight. Because Jimmy has had the haircut since third grade. It's the same one every time, but it's like straight. So I try and, I try and help him. I try and help him. Because, because I get scolded 
Because I say stuff before, this before. Like I say stuff like, hey, Pastor Mark, who did that to you? You tell me their name. You tell me who cut your hair. I lick them. You know, that, that's not nice. Okay, you're not supposed to say that. Don't use that. Try and be encouraging. Build up. Don't tear down. That's in First Thessalonians. Encourage one another. Okay? Fourth thing, give godly advice. Give godly advice. Some of you are going, oh yeah, like I'm going to give godly advice. Where am I going to get godly advice from? Number one, you can, oh, let me show you uh, another picture. Here it goes. See that? Because it's not if, it's when. You're going to have problems in life. We had a little boo-boo here. That's my daughter's car. You can see the, the answer. Besides Jesus Christ, besides the Bible, right there in my hand is the next answer to life. Duct tape. <laughs> Duct tape can fix anything. Okay? You notice that's why? Look, silver. You cannot tell, right? That's why we buy a car silver, because the duct tape can fix it. It will temporarily fix everything, but you want a long-term fix. You want a long-term fix. So you give godly advice. You want to find out what's going on in people's life. They might be broken a little. They might need you to do a little duct tape help, or they might be fixing something by constant duct taping, and you might have some advice that might be even better than that. But you might go, where am I going to get that, that godly advice from? Well, some of it you might know. You might know some godly advice. But some other stuff that you can get uh, godly advice from, Bible, when you read the Bible, service notes, make Pastor Max happy, keep him. He gets sad, he walks out, he takes out the rubbish, he sees all this, he's sad. Don't do that, don't do that. He comes to me after and he goes, look, look, look. Take them home, keep them, because you might need them later on. Another one is attend a small group. Small group, you guys discuss what's going on in life. Hey, if you go through it, other people are going through it too. Attend an alpha group. Alpha guys have hundreds of questions that everybody asks in life, and they'll give you the answer. Cheaters, good way to do it. So you can give godly advice anytime, because once you give it, it's not you. You're going to fix it, but you're going to point them because God will look at where, I'm sorry, they will see where you're pointing them to. When God does something, they'll recognize that, okay? Got to make sure I make the time. Okay, D. Fill that in if you want to. It says how. How do we do that? The scripture in Ephesians that says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Don't be judgmental. Ask them questions. Don't tell them what to do. Offer them suggestions. Be sensitive. My wife always tells me that I need to be more patient. I need more patience. I tell her I'm not a doctor. I don't need patience. But it's one of my weaknesses. I'm not a patient person sometimes. Sometimes, okay? Stop and consider the other person's perspective about what they're going through and how it's going. You guys heard this last week. On the other day, I'm in traffic. I'm sitting down there. You know how this goes, right? You're sitting in traffic. The car in front of you is stopped because... You got, the, you got the green light, but the, got, the next stop got the red light. And so there's a whole bunch of cars not moving. But then the front light turns green, and the guy in front of you is still not moving. Because they're going to move. You're worried that what's going to happen is they're going to move. The light's going to turn red for you, and it's going to be green. Big, big space, and you don't get, make it through the parking lot, right? To, I mean, to that, to, that, to that intersection. So, you know, you start beeping the horn. And then the guy in front of you starts doing this. And you're thinking... You know, Max, just move up. Just move to the light. Because, <laughs> you know, Max is talking about the other day. We're trying to be patient. I'm like, but, you know, you have to take the perspective. Maybe 
He likes sitting there with his family and Vanessa looking at all the other cars. Maybe, you know, maybe he, he wants to be patient and show me how I should be patient, okay? Uh, you thought I wasn't going to get you, right? So, so but, but you want to look at their perspective. Look at the other person's perspective because you don't know what's going on. And I've done that many a time. If you sit back, you will find something you did not know about that they're going through that you're glad you didn't say anything, okay? Number three, be who you are and what is needed. That's Roman rule one. Roman numeral number three. Be who you are and what is needed. Paul writes in the Bible, basically, um, even though I am free, I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. And when I was, a, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I was not subject to the law. And basically, it goes on to say, Paul would do whatever it takes to help other people and become like them. Basically, he says, I'll be all things to all men that some may come to know the glory of Christ. Question is, are you willing to put your needs second and put somebody else's needs first? Now, I'm not telling you to, to ignore the Bible and who God has made you. But what I am saying is, are you able to push yourself down to help the person across you? I got this guy at work. I work with, and for some unknown reason, every time he talks to me, he needs to say my name. Like, something, something, Neil, something, something, Neil, something, something, Neil. And, 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 at the same time, he has this unknown reason to man uh, that he needs to touch me. So not only is this my name, but Neil, Neil, and, and sometimes it's distracting. Like, I'm watching, here it comes, here it comes. I can't even hear what he's saying because he's like, oh, Neil, you know, I such, and I'm like, Oh, whoa, 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 because inside of me, I'm going, whoa, whoa, he's touching you. But I go, you know, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. And, and I got to push that down so I can hear what he's saying and talk with him because that's the only way he communicates, okay? <laughs> I, I found no other way that he does that. And so I, I, I just let it go, and I try and listen to what he has to say so I can get through that process. And that's what Paul says, and that's what I'm charging you guys to do. Sometimes can I, you come second so somebody else can come first. Sometimes second means that I, I, I don't get to get it the way I want it. People need advice. They need help. They need a listener. Sometimes it's, you're really busy and they go, can I, can I, can I kind of talk to you a little bit? And like, mm, 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 yes. And then they start to say stuff. And then you kind of switch into a different mode because you can understand, hey, God is doing something with them. This is more important. Yeah, but don't forget to do your job. But people get upset about that. Last point, be available. You want to be available. All of you, except the children who don't work, pay for the firemen to sit around. Okay? That's so that they're available. You don't want them unavailable. Okay? You pay them to go to the grocery store with the fire engine. Okay? You pay them to drive through all Moana looking at the waves while you're sitting out there surfing. Because you're going, hey. But you pay. Why? Because they are available. Even if they're driving, they have the, they have the walkie-talkie thing. And, you, and that's because they're needed. You got to be available. You know, one time, I used to come home sometimes and lie down in my living room and, and fall asleep. And, and Karine, my wife, would say, why do you sleep there? Why don't you just stay at work and work or whatever? You're just lying there. And I, and I said, because when I'm home, it makes a difference. And she goes, what kind of difference? I said, um, I bring glory. You may now bask in my glory. <laughs> bask away, I'm going to sleep. No, I'm just joking. It, 
it's just because my presence there, like, like I would lie there and the kids would come, my daughters would put the cup on top of my chest, oh, I'm gonna, hey dad, drink some. But you're there. The whole thing is you're there. It makes a difference if you're available. Hey, people came to Jesus all the time. He was available. Paralyzed man, lowered to the roof. His friends brought him. Prostitute, touched him, got some power, got healed. Roman centurion, asked him to heal his friend, uh, his slave. Jesus found people along the way. There's a blind man at a pool. He healed him. Woman at a well, drawing some water. He was available. You guys got to be available. Are you around for those who are around you? That's a big deal. If you're not around, you could be physically, first you got to be physically present. But the second thing, are you around for those around you? Being around means that you're being available. Now, um, those are some simple steps that I learned from working at Roberts with Dave and some of my brothers. I'm going to call a worship team up now as we, um, as we close the service. But there are just some things I learned along the way um, that really helped me. And it basically, I didn't write it before I went there. I wrote it after I was there with Dave for a while. And um, it's a big deal to be able to do things around the people at work that you work with because you spend a lot of time with them. And whatever you can do to move them to, to God's very best makes a big difference. For me, I had four brothers, and we are brothers for all ever. And so it makes a big difference. If you would stand with me, I want to pray a blessing on you guys. A blessing that the Holy Spirit would empower each of you to build relationships in your workplace that would grow you as well as those people who are around you into God's very best. So let me pray for you now. Heavenly Father, I want to send out each person here to go into their workplace and bless the people around them. That they would be able to eat, care, pray, share life, be able to walk through every open door that's presented to them, be confident in who you're making them to be and confident in how to become more for those around them. Allow them to be available in spirit to those around them, their families, to those in, in all the things they do. Lord, now I charge each one of them to be strong and courageous as, as you and the Holy Spirit anoints them, empowers them to make a difference. It doesn't have to be a huge difference. It could just be a small difference. But whatever you ask them to do, I pray that you would now charge them, empower them to be able to do that. Make a difference for you in another person's life. So now as we finish up the service, we just ask that God's presence would bring to mind those people around you, that you would recognize those things as God works through you, and that you would go into the workplace that God has called you. In Jesus' name, I pray, we pray, amen.